Yeah, um, and don't get me wrong, like we we've got a great data team. It's just that there there are logistical challenges to surfacing this data, and we might not know. We're not exactly sure how reasonable these key results might be. So, mm -hmm. like, is it is it reasonable to ask people to surface like? spend a lot of effort focused on surfacing this data if it's like it might not be a priority so yeah. it's yeah I, I, it's that priority about, think about the ask onto a onto an it organization if all of a sudden everybody is asking for different data for their different key results welcome to product growth leaders topic of the week a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. Steve, it seems like every time I start these off, it's like I was on Twitter and and I was on Twitter and a whole bunch of people were talking about OKRs. And so I decided that we should we hadn't talked about OKRs. And some people think OKRs are like the magic panacea that's going to solve all problems in a business with strategy and execution. So I thought we'd talk about OKRs this week because we hadn't talked about it before. It sounds like it's going to be fun. All right, so we got a great panel today. Joy McCaffrey, Corey Bryan, May Wong, Joe Kristoff, and we're going to talk about <clears throat> OKRs and product management. On Monday, we put a question in there. How can your product benefit from OKRs? And we got a lot of people coming in pretty quickly. Graham Rowe talked about product alignment with organization vision, goals, and strategy. If your organizational vision, goals, and strategies suck, do product OKRs still buy you anything other than busy work? Is your product busy work? I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. Uh, before we get to, to the panel, Steve, I'd love to get your, your sort of gut feel on this question. How can your product benefit from OKRs? Well, it is amazing as I work with teams, the, the uh, I remember vividly uh, an instructor saying, you know, you can't do X, you know, whatever it was, unless you know the strategy. And everybody in the room kind of threw up their hands and went, oh, shit. I mean, we don't have a strategy. So I guess I'm done here. Right. And I, I think that that the ability to have some clarity on our overall objectives. I mean, are we trying to make money? Are we trying to optimize? Are we trying to achieve growth? I mean, what are we trying to do? Getting agreement on that, whether you use OKRs or some other method uh, is critical to success for an organization. And I'm reminded of uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni's last book called The Advantage. And he spoke about the advantages when all the departments in the company have the same objectives. Yeah. And it's been my experience for a lot of companies, the VP of sales is running his own company, VP of marketing running their own company, the VP of developments running their own company. Well, it's interesting. And you brought it up. One of the things you said there made me think about Brian Weber brought this up too often. OKRs are used synonymously with KPIs. 
key performance indicators. And, and that's sort of a tough thing to do. And I, you know, in my experience, we used MBOs, you know, management by objectives versus OKRs. I guess they share the first and last letter. Uh, but that was sort of the way we did it. But Corey, you said, generally speaking, being specific on what you're trying to achieve. However, you admit you're hung up on the how would your product benefit take of the question. Talk to me about what your thoughts are on OKRs at the product level. So the, having the OKRs, there was an interesting distinction that I was trying to draw there, which is having your product have OKRs versus having your the people that create and ah. use and everything else, the product. Those are two different things for me. I think product metrics, product objectives, product OKRs, if you want to call them that, um, can be good too. They don't do that by themselves though. Uh, people have to build things and those things have to get out to customers and then you can see how the, the product is doing. But I don't know if I would separate having a product OKR versus a product team OKR. So since the product is a static object without people doing stuff, the product itself can't create an OKR. It's the team around it that creates the, that, that does the work to achieve an objective to get to those key results. For now, maybe, maybe when AI takes over, that there's that problem. You, you just made me speechless with that because I don't know what to say. And that doesn't happen very often, Corey. Uh, Joe, you actually were, came in right after Corey. You said outside of the direct impacts of AK, OKRs, which other people have talked about, there's an indirect benefit uh, to a product when organizational effectively uses OKRs. My first question is, have you seen an organization effectively use OKRs? Uh, none that I've been a part of, no. It's a lot of, oh, we'll do it. We, we read Measure What Matters. That sounds great. We'll do OKRs. And then they, it's like, I forget who said it, right? But it's busy work. Um, and I think that's where my comment kind of came in. It's like, there's prerequisites in order for OKRs to happen, right? It's kind of what I listed out there. And so I kind of extended that by said, look, if you have those prerequisites, you're gonna do, probably do OKRs pretty well. And by extension, that's gonna benefit the product team because it's a lot of the same stuff, right? Experimentation yeah, and that kind of stuff, so. Let, let, let's take a second to look through your prerequisites and maybe have some conversations around that. Uh, leaders, directors, managers who are comfortable with coaching and guiding rather than command and control. Let me pose that same question I did with, with uh, effectively using OKRs. Have you had leaders, directors, and managers who are comfortable with coaching and guiding? I've had uh, direct managers or maybe like in the product team where that's okay, but then you get sort of further up in the, the org chart or it's not pervasive in the organization. So it's not like a culture of that, but I've definitely had individual managers or individual directors of product that have been more comfortable with that. But it's, as soon as you run into one level that isn't, it kind of falls apart, so. And, and I, I started my post MBA career at GE and it was like all command and control. It was, you know, that our MBOs, they, they spent half the year just trying to cascade MBOs down from the CEO to the division head to the, the departments. And it was like, you know, I, I, I felt like it was a useless exercise. Okay, so tolerance for experimentation and failures in the pursuit of stated objectives. Another one of your prerequisites. Steve, I'm gonna ask you this question. Have you seen institutionally companies that actually support a culture and a tolerance for experimentation and failures as people go to, everybody talks about it, mm -hmm. right? Failure, you know, we learn from our failures. I wanna fail more than I succeed. I, 
I still don't get that fail more than you succeed one, but I, you know, have you been able, I mean, in, in your, you know, many, 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 many years, have you seen companies that truly embrace experimentation, not just on the books of strategizer? Mm -hmm. I've encountered a, a very few, you know, I have encountered some, I mean, I, I find in general, OKRs and KPIs and MBOs are more often used as weapons uh, rather than, you know, a way of, of aligning people. Uh, but there's a there's the old story about um, Edison who said, you know, I haven't failed a thousand times. I now know a thousand times, a, a thousand ways this won't work. Yeah. Uh, and that's certainly what the, you know, the theory of it all is. But no, I mean, if, as you look at the behavior people have towards roadmaps, uh, they take them as commitments and they assume nothing will go wrong. And uh, they hold everybody's feet to the fire and say, you know, how come you guys are slacking off? And it's just like, well, wait, I thought we were supposed to be a learning, failing, adjusting, experimenting sort of organization. And they're like, yeah, that's cute in the books, but not in real life. So I'd say very few of the companies I've worked with, but some of the companies companies I've worked with uh, really embrace the idea of learning and, and measuring. Yeah, I, and maybe it's a terminology thing. I think experimentation for me resonates better than failure, right? Because mm -hmm. companies have a, this problem with failure where if you pose it as scientific method and validation and that type of stuff, maybe it maybe I'm fixating that word failure. May, I'd love to get your take. I mean, do you guys use experimentation um, in, in what you're doing? I, I would assume so. Like, so we're, we're a very new organization. Yeah. Um, we're still figuring out how to do everything. Uh, so one of the things that I think it was my first week starting here and my boss said, okay, so we're working on OKRs. And I'm like, okay, cool. I need to read up on those because I don't know what they are. Uh, <laughs> so I spent a lot of time reading and understanding um, kind of like what people, how people interpret them and, you know, what, what's, what are good ways to think about it. And I think the, the idea of having OKRs cascade down, um, one of the ways to get around that and like, not have that be as much of a problem is if you think about OKRs as back to what Corey was saying, like it's a very, it's a team, it's a way to measure um, set objectives for your team and also um, think about what you want to do in the specific time frame. So for us, um, our objectives are set to the fiscal year and our key results are set to quarterly. So if we want to, um, we want to measure ourselves on a quarterly basis, uh, maybe they might not be the right results, but if let's, let's do it one quarter at a time, right? And we'll learn from whether or not we're measuring the right things. Um, and for us, like, so we, we establish OKRs, but when um, uh, we didn't really do anything with them, just because I, I the organization wasn't mature enough to handle it at that stage. So we're trying again, um, actually, this month. Uh, so it's interesting where we're at. Um, one of the things that happened is like when we were doing the roadmap exercise, the question we get over and over and over again is like, how did you come up with the roadmap? So I think um, having 
team objectives, having people understand what the teams are, what they're working on, and also how this leads to us creating the roadmap based on those objectives um, helps us tell a more coherent story, especially in a giant organization. I, I like I, I like that tie to the roadmap because if we've got objectives, it sort of is now becomes your granular to you know your your boulder rock pebble type stuff yeah. in the roadmap should align with that. I think of it more as like an OIKR um, objective, <laughs> your initiative, and then your key results based on the initiatives you've accomplished. So generally speaking, your key results, if they are business results, they might lag behind by a quarter. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, what did you finish in the last quarter? Let's measure that. Um, let's plan a quarter ahead and think about what your KRs are gonna be a quarter ahead based on what you're planning to do this quarter. I like that. I mean, I've always thought of initiatives as the things that help you reach the key results, but I can see how you could flip those two as well. Joy, I'd love to get your take or your cat's take on... It's a dog and she okay. was bothering me. So uh, if I wanted to continue on with this call, I need to pick her up. Um, I kind of like May when I first heard okay, OKR, I'm like, okay, I need to Google that because I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, I've had many years of experience with MBOs, which we used to call managed by objections. And um, <laughs> They were very specific to me, like Joy, as the product manager, is going to do this many non-customer interviews, and Joy, as the product manager, and it was it was very much, um, you know, you, you could count them. It was measurable. Behavioral. It was like managing the, your behavior, like, you know, do your talk job. to people. Yeah. 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 And this is how we're going to be able to track the fact that you're doing your job. And the OKRs, which we are doing at this company, is more... Um, you know, more results driven and not just tracking kind of like my day-to-day -day duties. And um, it's definitely more towards the entire company. Um, so I have much more limited experience with OKRs than, than managed by objections. Um, but so far it's, it's, I think it's more cohesive too. It's not just solely me, it's for the company. It's for you know, the over, overarching product. Yeah. Awesome. Corey, you, I'd love to get your take. You, you sort of went first. It'll give you a chance to come back in. Yeah, I forgot the, the core of my comment or the core of my answer, which was, you know, whether you're using OKRs, KPIs, MBOs, or, you know, any other TLAs um, that you like, I think the core of why these types of things can benefit is because they get you specific. Um, they, we want to increase sales in Asia. Okay. That's kind of where, how much, you know, either it gives us a number to go from five to 10% in China, or it gives us an idea of, uh, you know, the, the success criteria, our hypothesis, what we actually are trying to do, but the specifics of it really help because you can dial down and dial in on what you're trying to do. Uh, and so many times things are not specific. They're open to interpretation or just general vagueness um, yeah. that isn't helpful. I could see that. It was interesting. Uh, one of the people who had answered John Fontenot said, I think one aspect that isn't talked about enough is, as it relates to OKRs is cross-functional alignment. One-off feature requests are easily dismissed when an organization is transparent and aligned around OKRs. I still go back to, have we ever seen a company that does that well? Uh, but I, I like the idea that 
you know, of using OKRs as a thing to say, is this in my OKR? Is this related to my OKR? Then should I be spending time on it, right? And where it goes from there. Steve, I'd love to get, you know, where's, you, where's your head with OKRs? We talk about it, we teach it. You know, we've seen some failings, you know, things that we think are missing. What, what's, what's your take on OKRs? Well, as a consultant, I want it to work, right? Um, I find in our, in our workshops, when we talk about metrics, people are kind of all over the place. They're like, well, I'd like to know these adoption numbers or these conversion numbers or these revenue numbers. And, and it's like, well, now we have a dashboard of 72 items and we don't know what to do with them. Uh, and so it, it all becomes rather random. Uh, you know, a common question we get is, hey, Steve, what metric should I track? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What are you trying to accomplish? You know, what is your objective? So I feel like ha uh, centering on the objectives and then that determines what things you want to measure. And, and the, the story I tell in, in one of my classes is uh, most of the gauges on my dashboard are meaningless to me. I don't know what to do with the information, which is why, you know, all the, so many cars now just have idiot lights and they're like, red light means, I don't know, go to the dealership and have it dealt with, right? But uh, the speedometer doesn't really help you depending on what your objective is. If my objective is to avoid getting a ticket for speeding, then the speedometer is the appropriate gauge. If what I'm trying to determine is whether I'm gonna get home in time for dinner, then the speedometer is not a very accurate gauge. What I need is, you know, um, distance and speed in order to determine ETA. So I guess that was a big ramble, but the real point was, <clears throat> I think we, can, we, we, the, the, the clearer we are on what we're trying to accomplish with the product, the more OKRs can filter into the roadmap and team performance and uh, when you start brainstorming these random acts of product, uh, you, you're like, well, wait a minute, does that move us towards one of our objectives? Like, our objective is to increase uh, profitability. And somebody says, hey, we ought to offer steep discounts. Well, no, that actually doesn't tie to the objective. It's, it flies in face of it. On the other hand, if your objective was to get a lot of seats sold, then discounting would be a reasonable program in support of the objective. And, and I think ultimately that's what it gets down to is people look at these, K, these KPIs and say, here are a bunch of good numbers that I read from an article that guy wrote, as opposed to what are we trying to accomplish? And then now what do we measure to achieve those accomplishments or to or to uh, get a guidepost on whether you are accomplishing what you set out to do. So KPIs could actually help you decide what key results to measure, but by themselves without an objective, the KPI is just a number. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and you need to know where it's going. I can't remember who it was. I read they were talking about, uh, and maybe it is, who's the one who wrote Rad Radically Focus? Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but I, I, something like you have to make sure that your objectives are not key results. Too often people put a, a key result in as the objective 
or it's it's phrased as a key result and it and there's an art to changing you know making sure your objective is an objective not a result uh and but one of the philosophies and i can't remember if it was them or not was this that if i'm a leader my my key results sort of become feeder for the objectives for the people who work underneath me and so there's a there is a cascading way of doing it i think you know I, i joked about us trying to do cascading mbos at ge but you know if you aspirationally if you can get uh, that type of stuff happening, I, you know, I think it, OKRs, it, it could be a, a, a good thing. Uh, it's just tough. I, I want to debate that point, um, if that's OK. Please, that's what this is about. So um, I, I don't I don't think objectives should be cast yet because I think that we should have we should be aligned on the direction and the strategy of like where we're going as a whole group. But, you know, Say say you have um say you have a, a you know like a twelve person product team right so you've got your VPs managing all sorts of things you've got a couple of directors and the directors individually have a team that focuses on a specific segment right so the VP has a larger you know objective for the director level the directors have a more narrow objective on their groups but like for each specific PM focusing on their specific product area with their pod, that objective is going to look very different from the objective of, you know, the director level, right? Um, And I think it's important for the teams to truly own their objectives. Um, And if you start talking about cascading objectives, then it's like we're being told what our objectives are as opposed to we understand what's important and here's how we translate it into something that we can do. So I think I I actually am very much against the idea of cascading objectives. I think understanding and a a unified strategy is much more important than. um, I mean, certainly inclined to agree with that, except those team OKRs have to in some way align with the corporate OKRs. I mean, if our plan is to flip the company in two years, and that means we want to increase revenues and reduce our costs of goods sold so that, you know, we artificially inflate the goodness of our balance sheet. And then a one of the product teams says, well, this, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and re-architect because it's long overdue. We've got so much technical debt. You're like, wait, that is out of sync with our overall objective, but I, but I hear you. I I I, I think maybe the, the 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 crunchy word here is cascading. Yeah. Well, and I actually I agree with you as well, May. I feel, and we've talked about this before in the call. I feel like the better job you can do helping people align around their understanding of our uh, strategy and our vision and what we're trying to do, and give them that foundation we want to be able to push outward decision making we want to enable more downstream decision making that's where agility comes from is that everybody understands and is aligned around what we're doing and i think that was one of the things that sort of the twitter threads that got me thinking about this were people who were like talking about okr is the key to alignment versus strategy and i'm like OKR is not a replacement for strategy, right? You know, and, you know, we need to do that. And that's, I, 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 so I vehemently agree with you, May. 
that first and foremost, you have to have a strategy and you have to communicate it and align people behind it and you enable them to make decisions. OKR just becomes a device you might be able to use to measure stuff. Uh, um, so on, on that point, I think like one of the things I was thinking about how we implement this is it might be best for all of the individual teams to separately come up with their objectives once we've communicated what the overall strategy is you know, down per, from the team levels. But then you get back together and you're like, these are objectives and here's how we're aligned, right? If there's disagreements, then you start working out like, why are these not aligned? Like, let's let's talk about alignment. But that way, you know, we've had the chance to talk to our teams and understand what's really important. And that way um, it's not one person saying like, this is my personal objective. It's like, this is something owned by the team. I, I love that. This, I mean, it, we've done this in budgeting and planning for a long time. There's a top-down cascade from people, you know, corporate saying, oh, we need to grow by 12%. So you roll those numbers down, but you also do a bottoms up. And, you know, maybe in, it's not cascading is what you need to do. It's that you understand sort of the boundaries of what, what our strategy is and people, and you allow, enable the teams the agility and the you give them the accountability to make decisions that align with it. And all you're holding them accountable is, is that instead of cascading it, are, are your things aligned with our strategy? I, I like that a lot. This is, this is heavily influenced by Chris Butler's writings um, on OKRs, our oh, network. Yeah. I, I know we should have, we should need to get him on the call sometime. He's, he's been great in our, uh, in our product Alliance, our product ops Alliance stuff. So <clears throat> I'm going to pause for a second before we move to the poll and see if, if this sort of last bit of the conversation on strategy alignment and being more important than OKRs, you know, Joe, Joy, Corey, any, any thoughts on that or sort of general agreement? Do you agree with that? Do you debate that? I don't think I debate it. I, um, because what I've seen is a lot of times these product teams have to infer what their objectives are because the strategy or the top level objectives aren't set. They're just sort of, Hey, we want more revenue and then go. And so the product teams way down below have to infer it. So I totally agree with that. If, if folks can say, Hey, here's what we're trying to do. Here are the deliberate choices we're making. Uh, you I, can like, definitely, I like that. Yeah. I like that term deliberate choices. That's <laughs> I'm going to use that in my strategy workshops. I seriously, I am. Go for it. You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of what May, May was saying is I, I agree with um, as long as you have that, then you can kind of give some freedom to the teams and it's not, here's our key result two, make that your objective one, and yeah. yada, yada, yada. So. No, I get, Corey, you've got your hand up. Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. So I'm working through it in my head, but I, I agree with the fact that I don't like the cascading OKRs as well. I would much rather have complementary OKRs than competing OKRs. So I don't want technology and product and marketing and sales to have different OKRs that are cascaded down 10 times between their teams because nobody is doing the same thing for the same reasons. We're you, all you doing different things. Measuring always. sales on, on top line and product on profitability is not complementary? Yeah, no. So I would much rather have either collaboratively create these 
or make sure that at least they complement each other. Like if sales wants to increase some number, then make sure that product, that, that number benefits product. And as well as if product's trying to create some number, make sure that benefits sales. Um, but I, I, again, to try to get away from the cascading, I'd rather have complementary, not competing. I love that. Uh, actually, we were just working with one of our clients this week on helping their product management team understand customer or market value, right? What's the value you take by solving this problem? The pains and gains type stuff. And business value. What's the business, the value you bring to the organization from doing these? And I said, the key thing you have to understand is if you say that the business value is going to be, if we do this, you're going to increase leads or retention rate. You need to make sure that your counterpart in sales or marketing or customer success is going to be aligned with you on that. Yeah, I should have added that I think the better one is to have the same one between sales and product. I think that's a better approach. Okay. And so it's not really cascading. It's like a we're setting this objective that, that we share as a, as a team, as right. an organization. Yep. I love it. Joy, any last thoughts? No, I think it's all been said. I'm good. Okay. On Wednesday, we put our poll in, which said, what is the hardest part about OKRs? I think this is the most distributed ever poll we've ever done. Uh, everyone, no, nothing got more than 30%. The highest, the, the choices were aligning them to strategy, defining clear objectives, choosing key results that align with the objectives, aligning OKRs with other functions, and other it depends. Uh, and nothing had less than 15%, nothing had more than 26% was the highest uh, with choosing key results that align with the objectives. Steve, did you vote in this one? Honestly, I don't recall if I voted, I'd have to go look, but I would have chosen answer two, defining clear objectives. And based on our history, you probably didn't vote. So I'll say that that would give an extra that vote. That is probably that correct. So you think defining clear objectives is the hardest part? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm befuddled at the number of places I go where uh, it really is random acts of product. You know, we're just doing things. We don't really know why we th think people will like it. You know, and it's not like this will generate revenue or this will generate customer satisfaction. It's just I, heard, I talked to a guy and he was mad. So we're that's our new top priority. Yeah, I love the you always random acts of almost everything we talked about. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Joy, did you vote? I did not. Which would you vote for? <laughs> uh, I guess I would say for most companies, defining clear objectives. Defining clear objectives. So, so all of a sudden, if Steve didn't vote, defining clear objectives has now moved into the lead uh with the most votes if that would be six there uh anything more to add to the what steve said about why it's so why you why he voted for that one because so many companies um they just don't talk to each other and so um they don't know what's best for the company or for the product or for the customer mostly for the customer um so that that would be my answer okay Corey, you said you like all the answers and would choose one if you didn't believe the hardest problem was people ignoring them. Uh, did you vote for other? I did, yeah. I, most of my experience has been you spend all this time coming up with objectives, whether they're good or not, 
I'll, I'll leave to the side. But because you said the hardest part, um, the hardest part that I see is when you come up with these objectives and then you don't use them or you don't stick to them. Or when a fire happens, you immediately abandon them and go to random acts of product, as Steve says. You don't look at them daily. You don't talk about them. You don't have conversations about them. You don't use them to actually get the results you're trying to get. You just do it as an exercise, like a once a year planning exercise. And then the month after they're done, you're on to other things. Like my New Year's resolutions to eat better and work out there more. There you go. How's that going? <laughs> it's been cold. <laughs> no, the, food it, or the exercise. Yeah, um, yes. Uh, Jason Brennan actually said that that was the hard. And you, I think you had mentioned that uh, using them in day to day, week to week decision making uh, is what is the toughest part about it. May you said getting access to the data. I'm assuming you were also an other. It depends. I am another, it depends. Um, and it's funny, Corey, you mentioned that because um, I just had a chat with the VP um, on Monday and she's like, we need to make sure we stay on OKRs. <laughs> so it's it's now my job to make sure we actually hit that target, like just make sure we, we keep reviewing them and understand how we actually want to progress with them. So it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Um, but yeah, like, um, being a younger, um, less mature organization, it's hard to, um, sometimes like you have ideas of what you need to measure, but it's hard to actually get that measurement because you rely on the other teams to surface that data. So yeah. um, that might be an issue or you know, how do you even go about measuring something that might be a little more um, uh, abstract, right? Yeah. Or like, you know, how many people walk into a cafeteria? Like, <laughs> so it's it's there are logistical issues around some of the things that we'd like to measure, but um, you know, you can't measure everything. So let's find something that's reasonable. It's interesting you say that it's sort of like this whole the data, data everywhere, but not a drop to drink, right? We talk about all these things that we might be measuring, but actually getting access to them to make insight, to, to create insight, to make decisions is tough. Yeah. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Like we, we've got a great data team. It's just that there, there are logistical challenges to surfacing this data. And we might not know, we're not exactly sure how reasonable these key results might be. So mm -hmm. like, is it is it reasonable to ask people to surface like, spend a lot of effort focused on surfacing this data if it's like it might not be a priority so yeah. it's yeah I, I, it's that priority about, think about the ask onto a onto an it organization if all of a sudden everybody is asking for different data for their different key results uh it could be interesting uh, yeah, and you do this every quarter. So if you do this every quarter then that's a lot more work if you, especially if things change all the time no uh, yeah, definitely. Joe, did you vote? I did vote, yeah. What did you vote for? So um, I avoided other because I feel like I've been choosing it too much um, in recent weeks. Um, although I would say that I think the hardest part is setting up those philosophies and prereqs in order for OKRs to take hold. But because yep. um, then I think you go the path of what Corey outlined. Um, but I voted for that the aligning across functions. Um, okay. And I took maybe a liberal interpretation of functions because I was thinking sort of across 
right? So, you know, marketing a product and whatever, um, but then also up and down. So it kind of goes on what we were talking about with the cascading, right? So I think yeah. there's always, if you don't have, like we talked about strategies in place, whatever, um, folks are just doing, and I'm going to steal a term uh, here, the random acts of product. You're just kind of doing stuff and who knows if it's helping out or hurting someone, you know, somewhere else in New York, just because it's, it's just not well-defined from sort of up top. So that's kind of what I was thinking when I voted there. No, and, and I, I think that as I look, I, I voted for aligning OKRs with other functions. And I think I'll, I'll harken back to Core's comments about complementary, right? It doesn't need to be, you know, cascading or whatever, but we need to be complementary to make sure we're moving in the same direction uh, in, in those types of things. It was interesting. Uh, John Fontenot had said, or assuming there's actually a strategy that it should be aligned to. Uh, and again, in many places, it, it's, there's not a strategy out there for it to be aligned to. And uh, it's about how do we, you know, people using OKRs to, to show progress to something that they haven't defined. It sort of is part of the chaos that happens out there with that. Uh, I'm not going to choose a winner that week because it was, you know, I think we realized that there's a ton of things that are hard about OKRs that can get it to work. Uh, I am going to sort of build on it a little, you know, and, and build on the conversation we've been having. Aspirationally, where could OKRs have the biggest impact on the organization? You know, and I, we're looking at this from a product lens, so think about it in product, but where could OKRs aspirationally have the biggest impact in the organization if they're done well? You know, I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to, you know, go back to Corey's complimentary. I, I, I agree with this fact that it's hard to do cascading, but if we, like May said, get alignment and communication and then use OKRs to make sure each team is finding the right stuff to focus on, I think there could be good, could be an interesting aspect of how it can align execution. Corey. My reaction to this, which is why I wanted to respond before I got it out of my head was, it reduces the number of things that your organization is trying to do. Uh, to a very small vital few, let's say, uh, you know, the, the 10 or so percent of things that you should be working on instead of the 1600 sales deals or whatever, I'm a little bit better, uh, that are in the pipeline that will tear your organization apart. It gets you to focus, it limits your whip, it all, does all those good things. It's interesting. I there's research out there that I, I was reading. I think it was from, I read it in strategy and magazine, whatever it's called now, I can't remember. And it was saying that companies with fewer initiatives, one to three initiatives are, are have higher revenue growth and higher profit growth than companies with less initiatives. So I love the idea that OKRs can help be one of those tools to help us, you know, get, get the focus going there. May, what are you thinking? Honestly, communication. Um, so if your entire company is doing OKRs um, and they're somewhere that's accessible, you can go and see what sales priorities. So when you go into that conversation with sales, you know what their priorities are and you can have that clear conversation and it's a lot easier to communicate in that way um, and also vice versa right when people come to you they say okay so we see your objectives are this um, 
this is why it's more important when they really when they have a really big ask that actually needs to be addressed. Um, so I think I, I think it it's it's a template for people to really talk about this is the thing that's really most important to us. Um, and on top of like under underneath the strategy, right? And it, it should reflect what the corporate strategy is um, across the entire organization. And then I, I love that. Yeah. Steve, who wrote Crucial Conversations? Do you know that book? I will know it shortly. Okay. I, one of the things that we find when we're doing workshops with our clients is the conversations uh, that we have with them are one of the most important parts uh, to it. And so I love this idea that OKRs could be a a tool or a device we use to make sure we're having these critical conversations and, you know, making sure we're gaining alignment, right? Making sure that we're doing that type of stuff. Corey, you said it's, you know, the book, Corey? Patterson? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's something I try to read at least once every two years, just to come back to it often, but it's a great one. Agile conversations is a really good one too. Um, okay. Yeah. Carrie yeah. Patterson, Joseph. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, with a for an intro by Stephen Covey, who's who's probably got the name his name biggest on the on the <laughs> on the book. <bookcover. laughs> so, Steve, what's your take on on where where could these OKRs have the biggest impact? Well, I'm gonna agree with everybody else for uh, um, for <clears throat> anyway. I'm gonna agree with everybody else. I'm reminded of a scenario we had a few years ago where uh, the VP of sales and I talked about the objectives for a new product and um, and and embracing the whole idea of focus. Uh, what we wanted to do was really penetrate a particular uh, vertical. Uh, let's say it was uh, uh, banking. And uh, and he, he argued, he pushed against it. He's like, well, you know, I really like my guys to sell anything to anybody who holds out money. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, we're trying to introduce a new product here. And the more we focus on the target it was designed for, blah, blah, blah. And so he bought into that. And then I was delighted at sales training. He's, uh, he said, now we're focusing right now on banks. And Kevin, the world's worst salesperson said, oh, well, I'm talking to a, a um, a hardware store right now and the president said oh you, you you seem to have misunderstood me we pay commissions only on sales to uh banks and suddenly there were no out of market contracts uh but i just thought it was brilliant uh and and if i had said it of course it would have been a, a, a complete riot but uh, when the, the VP of sales said, you know, I'm on board, I, I, your objective is clear to me, so I'm going to measure my people in that way. Zero commission for out-of-market sales. I, so, I, lo I love that. I mean, talk about putting focus, right? Uh, you know, too often I've seen salespeople like mess with commissions for new versus renewal, and, you know, it's, too often they're just trying to optimize who you know some other people how they make money but that's a, that's really putting money behind what you're trying to do joy what's your take on this alignment across the company 
uh, on a goal. Mm -hmm. Okay. How about you, Joe? Yeah. Um, so similar to Corey and Steve, I was going to say uh, waste, reducing waste. Um, but uh, you know, just kind of extended it, maybe to look at it a different way. I think if you're using OKRs or you're implementing OKRs and they're visible, um, I think it helps highlight where groups are maybe kind of taking on initiatives or doing things where they don't have full control over it. So I know I've been in situations where, for example, the marketing is, is doing, well, we, this is our objective. We're trying to get X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, you don't have full control over achieving that. That relies on other people. And so you're starting this effort that you ultimately can't do if it's not somebody else's priority. And so I think that's another way to help reduce waste is if it's visible and you know what other people's priorities are, you can sort of, you know, prevent those or, or stay away from them. So that's, that's kind of what I'll say. I, I like that. I mean, it, it still goes back to, you know, alignment and make sure we're not wasting time on things that aren't, aren't adding to that. With this in mind, how can product management help enable alignment of OKRs across the organization? I'd like to start on this one. Okay. Uh, so that, that was the goal. Um, when we first started talking about OKRs, the goal was we start with OKRs and we're hoping that the practice would extend beyond us. Um, because the first attempt didn't go very well, uh, we just kind of put it on hold for a while until we sorted out you know, the rest of everything we had to deal with, um, like strategy. Uh, so once we got to that point, though, um, we started getting all the other teams coming to us like, yeah, we want to do OKRs. And that really got me thinking about like, so we have a product strategy um, and then the, the corporate strategy is still a little fuzzy. So how do we start doing that alignment across? But I think once we start getting OKRs, it'd be a lot easier to have that conversation too, especially if it's a difficult conversation to be had. Um, so if you're at an organization that doesn't have OKRs, it could be a really great platform to talk about, you know, these are objectives, like let's make sure we're aligned. Um, so having, like, because it's out in the public, because we're, we're trying to be like, a completely transparent product org, um, hopefully this will make it a lot easier to start having these conversations and uh, do fewer random acts of product. No, I, I completely, I, lo I love that. How about you, Corey? First of all, I love that everybody's using that phrase now. Thank you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the biggest takeaway from this is stop doing random acts of products. Um, I, it, the communication collaboration part of it. I mean, you start it. If you're the one who starts it, talk to others about it, get everybody else to, to understand and, and either agree or disagree. I mean, if you can get people to disagree with it, that would be interesting too. Awesome. Joe. Um, I think the, like I've talked about a few times, the, the philosophies are, or the prereqs, I think for OKRs are the same ones that enable good product development or product management. So maybe OKRs come more naturally to product people for that reason. I don't know if that could be true or false, but I'd like to think it's true. So I think it's product in that way could show that OKRs work, right? Because maybe they're the first group to latch onto them. Um, and so even if the OKRs start at like the product director level, they don't really go above that. You can kind of show in this little ecosystem that they work and maybe hopefully that takes hold of the organization. So. 
I don't know why it popped in my head right now, but if if OKRs aren't used properly, do they contribute to the build trap? Right? If you think about it. Depends. Are you are you evolving with your OKRs? Well, that's what I said. If they're well, that would mean you're doing them better than not. But it seems like <laughs> I mean, like you could start off badly. I, I've seen people use OKRs or MBOs to sort of identify tasks to do, whether those tasks were tied back to value creation for the organization or for the for the company. And I don't want you know people. Well, it's in my list, right? It's on my. I'm doing this because it's what I'm being measured against versus it's the right thing to do. And it, it and honestly, to me. May it goes back to some of the stuff you talked about earlier with, you know, better to have well communicated strategy aligned across the organization than OKRs. But, you know, uh, it could be a, if OKRs are done wrong, it could create a lot of work that's to Joe's point was is not adding value. You know, I think that's the source of a lot of product foolishness is whether it's OKR specifically or just fuzziness in strategy or fuzziness in objectives. Uh, when I hear product managers uh, um, tweet, you know, uh, what is product management? Your job is to do whatever it takes to make the product succeed. Well, you know, a lot of bad behavior would come from whatever it takes. I mean, uh, that is go on every sales call because you're the best salesperson or uh, start including um, <sighs> drug packets in each product sale uh, as a way of, I don't know, do what, um, you know, uh, a lot, anyway, a lot of bad behavior comes from vagueness. And I think OKRs may be a way of saying, uh, let's get really crisp on these. I mean, I, I've been mulling over as we've been talking about this what the scorecard is for a good OKR. I mean, is this one of those, you know, it's time bound, it's measurable, it's uh, actionable. I keep thinking there's some acronym like uh, invest or- um, Smart you know, acronym. Is the what? Is it smart? Smart, yeah. yeah. So I'll add that to my presentation on OKRs, so. What, what is smart, what is it, Joy? Uh, strategic, measurable, actionable results in time, I think. Specific. Oh, specific. Specific, specific <laughs> measurable, actionable. Um, I think realistic yeah. is the R. Realistic. Uh, I was just making it up. And time. And time. <laughs> and time like, yeah. <laughs> well, that is the problem with these, these handy acronyms. You're like, it's, it's superior. Something. <laughs> Monthly, I don't know. <laughs> Articulated. Yeah. Corey, you had wanted to make a comment. Yeah, so specifically on how product managers can help OKRs, I think where they're being done incorrectly, help do them correctly. Where they're being abused, turn it around. Uh, where they're being used for nefarious purposes or to drive, you know, negative or bad behaviors fix it or try to fix it. Do your best. Yeah. I, I've written a, a blog called, you know, product management is what connects strategy to execution. 
And so, you know, my view is product management is where rubber hits the road of what markets are we going to play in and with what products are we going to solve? It's, it's, it's a, where do we play? How do we win? Right. And that's product management. And so if we go with this alignment concept and communicating, I think product management is the critical lever point to make sure that everybody understands what we're targeting, you know, what markets we're targeting, what our winning aspirations are and enable them with context to be able to determine themselves what's the best thing they can be doing to help achieve that, right? And so I think product management just plays a, a critical, you know, both focus, we need to provide focus, especially if it's not being provided by the corporate strategy, uh, but also in that focus, enable and engage and collaborate with the functions in the organization to make sure that they understand what we're trying to do and what their role is to get there to help them determine what the right OKRs are. So that's sort of my take on this one. Joy, you, you were looking quizzically. I didn't know if that was just listening or if you No, because that was basically my answer. So <laughs> <laughs> I had got the product that yeah. you know product is the company, not sales. So you start with the product, what the product is, what it does, what the benefits are. And everybody should know their role in helping achieve that. Yes. Any last thoughts before we move on to the lightning round? All right. Lightning round question, what do successful OKRs in product management enable? So if we can be successful with OKRs, what, what does that enable in product in the organization? I'm gonna start with Corey. Purely because you're because you kept raising your hand, you're in my top left corner. <laughs> uh, I think they would enable both customer and business success. So I'll say success, but specifically on those two areas. Customer and business success. All right, Joe. Um, I'll take. I'll kind of shift your answer. Like non-build trap products. All right, non-build trap products which is sort of a different way of saying success on value creation. Yeah. So success yeah. on value creation, not build trap products, joy. Well, my answer is success. I mean, if they're successful OKRs, then that results in success. Um, so that's my answer. But no, we have to yes and it. <laughs> my answer is success. <laughs> <laughs> I think joy is the only person who could get away with that with me. <laughs> May. Um, I, I think you can you can prove that what your product team, so across product design UX and whatever, mm -hmm. um, is successful overall. So you can get more resources to hire more and grow. More resources because you're you're showing the success. Exactly. So that's a ni nice twist on that. Mm -hmm. Steve. Uh, I guess I will say alignment. I uh, is reacting badly. Let me let me do it again. I will instead <laughs> change my answer to um, priorities. Okay. I I wouldn't have gone to priorities. I don't know what I would have done. Alignment was going to be mine, but success, build non build trap products, uh, success, <laughs> more resources. Uh, prioritization 
and alignment. And if you think about prioritization and focus and alignment, it really is successful OKRs help you execute strategy. Maybe that would, you can keep alignment, Steve. I'll do it. it it's successful okay. execution. Well, I'll come back to mine then and, and just kind of uh, embrace the, the, the phrase of the hour. And that is uh, with successful OKRs, we avoid random acts of product. I, I think that is a great way to wrap it up. I spent more time today talking about OKRs than I think I have uh, before. And what a wonderful conversation. Uh, Corey, May, Joe, Joy, Steve, you know, I, I actually think that I almost need a little time to process what we've talked about before we talk about it again, because I think there's some really, uh, really good insight that we talked about and how we do it. And I think it can work its way into some of the work we're doing, uh, especially helping people because successful OKRs have to have that alignment and have to have that strategy and have to have the stakeholder communication and management to begin with. So what a, what a great conversation. Thank you guys for letting me scratch this itch from a tw Twitter thread that got me upset. And uh, thank you for a wonderful conversation. We do these conversations every week uh, in the community. Uh, Monday, the questions go in. Wednesday, the poll goes in. And on Fridays, we have these great conversations. Uh, and thank you guys, everybody, for a wonderful conversation. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week in the community. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation. should be focusing on can be different. And I remember a, a, a whole lot of times when I've sat down with a leadership team and said, so pick, pick one. Do you want revenue, profit, or market share? And they're like, oh, we want all of those. And you're like, well, those are entirely different strategies. I mean, if you want market share, then we can sell it for a dollar and get a lot of market share. You know, if you want profits, then we can sell it for a million dollars and get a lot of profits, but it will only sell one. Um, and it's just kind of like quick, easy, or fast. No, quick, easy, cheap. You know, which which one or two of those do you want? Yeah. Well, 